Thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and your mercy, which is everlasting. Thank you, Lord. And just pray that today as we look into your word once again, that your word will just rekindle within us all all that it needs to, that it will change us, that it will transform us into your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in the book of Hebrews, and today we come to chapter 9. And we have been talking the last, the last chapter a little bit about how Jesus was made a priest after the order of Melchizedek, which was a different kind of priesthood, a better priesthood. And as a result of him becoming um, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, we also are called later on kings and priests unto our God, right? He is king of kings and lord of lords, and he became the high priest of the sanctuary that's in heaven, and as a result, he made us fellow, he made us heirs, right? He, he, he made us equal with himself. I mean, he, he really did. He's given us all power in heaven and earth, and so in, as a result of that, we have become kings and priests unto our God. And if we would just, if we, if, if we could just have our understanding heightened and, and it made clearer to us all that Christ and all that Christ has imparted to us and given to us as a result of the new covenant, we would be able to live our lives in a way more powerful way, way more dynamic, as we've been saying. Because truly, we have access to the throne of God in heaven 24-7, and all power has been given unto us. Jesus didn't hold back and say, you know, I don't want you to be able to do as much as I did. No, he wants us to be his representatives here on earth and do greater things even than he did. And so the writer to the Hebrews is really trying to get this across, and he uses so many different pictures, the picture of you know, Jesus is better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than, uh, better than the old sacrifices. Everything, everything is better because now Jesus died and is the fulfillment of everything that's come before up to this point. The writer to the Hebrews really got it. And he wants the readers to understand it too. And he wants us to get it. And so we want to get it. We want to try and grasp it. And that's why I encourage you to, again, to read the book through a few times or listen to it on audio tape a few times all the way through, straight through, and get the whole gist of the whole thing, how, you know, Jesus has so powerfully fulfilled everything that was written of him, and, and, and it, it's real, and he's made it real. And so we need to understand it better so that we can live in the fullness of what God has provided for us. It's like being heir to a billionaire's um, estate and having all kinds of power uh, to bring all kinds of world peace and, and power to go and purchase whatever, 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 and, and, and not ever tapping into it, not ever utilizing it, not ever doing anything with it. We would think that person was foolish if they had such access, right? We would say, why don't they do something with it? They have billions of dollars. Why are they living in poverty? Why aren't they doing something with the influence they have? We know an influential person and they're not using their influence for good. It's distressing, right? Well, we have influence. We have influence. We come to God the Father in heaven and say, I'm blood washed in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and this is the need. And so 
we need to just understand it more fully, how powerful and what has been imparted to us as a result of the cross and the resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Next week is the day of Pentecost. I'm sorry we can't be here on the day of Pentecost. That doesn't seem right. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to be in a Baptist church of all places. <laughs> the way, the way they, they celebrate is they wear red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, so let's delve into chapter 9 together then. So then verily the first covenant, and that's the thought he ended with, that the old covenant is passing away, and the new covenant, and the new covenant Jesus, the Bible tells us, will be written on our hearts. The old covenant was written on stones, and they couldn't fulfill it, could they? They couldn't measure up. They couldn't do all those rules and regulations just like we can't. But now with the Jesus dying rising and pouring out his spirit the the law is actually written on the in our hearts and we are enabled by the power of the holy ghost to live a holy and a godly life so it's way better it's way better do you understand do you understand do you understand do you understand <laughs> it's way way better because the, the law is written in our heart and we want to do what God wants us to do. We want, because we love him, we want to please him. It's a whole different thing than when somebody just gives you a list of do's and don'ts. You understand? That's what they had. They had a list of do's and don'ts. And then as the years went by, the, the um, priests and Levi, uh, the rabbis and everything, they made that list even longer. Then God made it. <laughs> they added to it. And it was really impossible to do all of that stuff continually. And so this is why the new covenant is so much better because Christ pours himself into us and says, I can do all things through Christ who's inside of me, who strengthens me to do it. Hallelujah. So it's not impossible. And it's a whole different ballgame. All right, so then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Praise the Lord. All right, for there was a tabernacle made, and the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. So now he's saying, okay, you know, Christ was better than angels, better than the law that was given to us by, by angels, better than... Aaron, better than Moses, and et cetera, et cetera. And now we're coming to this thought about the tabernacle, okay? <clears throat> Which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid around about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly or in detail. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Now, let me just stop here for one minute and say again what I know I said last week, but I'm going to say it again. How God took such care over the earthly tabernacle, over every detail and how in our world we've come to 
be slipshod about the things of God and not think that it matters, and it does matter. How we handle the Word of God and how we worship Him is important. And we can't just do whatever we please and whatever pops into our crazy heads. We're, people are, you know, as people, we're just crazy. We go off the deep end in many directions. We have to come to God on his terms. We have to worship him. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? And, you know, we don't have all the rules and regulations, the long list of rules and regulations, but it doesn't remove the, the element of reverence and diligence and carefulness that's essential when we come to God and worship God. He is a holy and awesome God, and we don't want to lose that. So much in Christendom has lost that reverence and that awe, and it's too bad because really it's a huge piece. When, when Just a minute. When people, like when John later on was on the Isle of Patmos and he has a vision into heaven and he sees the Lord, he had been the beloved disciple, the closest one to him. What does he do? He doesn't slap him on the back and say, oh, hello, good buddy, how you doing today? He falls down on his face like a dead man. It was so awesome. It was so awesome to see Jesus glorified in heaven, although he had been like this with him on earth. It was such an awesome experience that he falls down as dead. And so... Just to say to us, to make us realize Jesus comes to him and lifts him up, of course. But my point is that God is awesome. Yes. And, and, and God is holy. And when we come to God, we tread on holy ground. And we need everything about worshiping him needs to be done with honor and with reverence and with godly fear. Amen. So let's go on here. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as yet the first tabernacle was standing. So now the point here is that as long as the tabernacle stood and there was tabernacle worship, people in general did not have access to God and to his throne and into the sanctuary. They did not. They, as we said this before, they were in the outer court. They weren't even in the, in, the, in the holy place. And the high priest, one high priest went in, we know this, I know you know this, but it's a good reminder, went into the holiest of all, how many times a year? Once a year, and with fear and trembling that he could lose his life if he didn't go, if he hadn't done everything right, if he hadn't made enough sacrifices, if he had forgotten to confess his sins, if he, if he had forgotten to sacrifice for the people. It was a serious thing. It was a serious thing. They, they understood that God was awesome because they saw those manifestations on Sinai, the, the, the um, <clears throat> lightning, fire, thunder. They heard God's voice, and, and they didn't, they didn't, you know, what did they say when they heard that? They said, oh, this is fearsome. This is fearsome. Tell God to speak to you, Moses, and so we don't have to hear this. This is too scary for us. So again, just another, you know, God is holy, awesome, and a God to be feared and reverenced. And we have to remember that because that's really lost, in, in especially in American mentality. American mentality is, you know, oh, I don't have to fear anybody. I'll just, you know, I'm just as good as you, and, you know, it's just one of those Obnoxious, I guess, is as good a word as any. Can't think of the other word I wanted. <laughs> Abrasive a little bit. But God wants us to, to get that because we have him in our lives. And so he's able to minister grace to us. 
and grace that whereby we can serve him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's what it says, right? Okay, so God thus signifying the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. You understand? So he's saying there, Everything that was we were used to, that we did, all the stuff, all the rituals, all, the, all of our religion, the tabernacle worship, it didn't make our consciences clear from sin. They understood that because that's the way they lived, okay? In order for them to confess their sin, they had to lay their hands on an animals and transfer their sin, but that, did that free their conscience? It didn't free their conscience, did it? And I don't know that we'll ever get this, but do you understand that when we come to Jesus' cross, Jesus' cross, and we say, please wash me and cleanse me from my sin, our conscience is also cleansed of sin. And they never experienced that prior to the cross. And so that's huge, huge difference, which we just take for granted and, and mostly miss. And so... But Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He was the sacrifice. He was, he's, he's everything, right? He comes and he fulfills it all by himself. He, his own blood entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. This tells us clearly, again, that in heaven there's a tabernacle. The true tabernacle is in heaven. Because once he ascended and he went into the holy place and paid for our sins, made the last sacrifice. He made the last sacrifice. When he, made it, when he said it was finished, he wasn't kidding. He was the last sacrifice. It was finished. And, you know, we don't get it either because we don't have to bring animals and make sacrifices. But they did, and it was continual. The priest was making sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. If you ever have the patience to read through the Old Testament in those places where they had feasts and celebrations, you get an idea how many sacrifices those priests had to make. It was astounding. Okay? And so that's the thought here. Okay, all the continual ongoing sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. It's finished now, Jesus said. It's finished. I'm the last sacrifice. I'm the fulfillment of all the sacrifices that have come before. Having re obtained eternal redemption for us. That's what they were doing. They were redeeming themselves. By rights, God owns them especially their firstborn, because the, he had saved their firstborn. When they came out of Egypt, the last plague was all the firstborn were killed in the land. But he sent the angel wherever they put the blood on the doors and saved their, their firstborn. But he said when they got out there into the promised land, the firstborn belonged to him. And in order to redeem the firstborn, they had to come and bring a sacrifice so that their firstborn wouldn't be killed again because the firstborn belonged to him. And so, here he has obtained, that was the redemption, okay? That was the way they redeemed the firstborn. And 
He was the firstborn. He was the firstborn, the only begotten Son of God, the firstborn. And He becomes the sacrifice, becomes the sacrifice. And so it's done, 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 and done. And again, I have to say, I, don't, I know we don't really fully get it, and maybe never will till we get on the other side, what a huge thing this was to have lived prior to and after. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews goes on and on and on and on about it. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So again, he just is saying here, so if the blood of bulls and goats was acceptable to God, how much more acceptable was his own, the life of his own son, who was the perfect lamb of God? Hallelujah. For this cause, for this cause, for this cause, the, our redemption, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay? So, for this cause, he has come to be not only the fulfillment, but even the intermediary, the mediator of the New Testament. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator, okay? So we're kind of thinking here along the lines of a will. When you leave something to someone, that has to be witnessed, doesn't it? And it doesn't go into effect until you die. And so here, too, there were certain things that didn't go into effect until Jesus died. And then it was finished. And so now we live in this new testament, this new covenant, this new will. It's been given to us. The will has been probated. And it has been distributed. And our part is, you know, if you get a letter, if you got a letter in the mail that your uh, long-lost uncle, who was a billionaire, left you some money, and all you have to do is travel to uh, California to go get it, well, you would find a way to travel there, wouldn't you? <laughs> right away, too. <laughs> well, guess what? We've been left better than billion dollars. Okay? And what's our part? Our part is to lay hold of it, to understand it, to grasp it, to live in it, to get filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that we, we access all the stuff that God has has purchased for us. And if we don't, it's not God's fault. <laughs> it is not God's fault. Now, that's not to bring condemnation on us. It's to make us say, yes, God has what I need. I just, I, and I want it, and I want it, and I want it. So it's, it should be an encouragement to us. We don't always do it perfectly, but that's, but God loves us anyhow, doesn't he? He loves us through the bumps and the hard times. We struggle sometimes, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't have what we need and what, what we're longing for. So, praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, for a testament is of force, at verse 17, after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament testament was dedicated without blood the first covenant you know it, it, there had to be death too before their sins c c god would accept you know um the sacrifice for sin right the, the the animal had to die in order for that redemption thing the type of the redemption thing to be acceptable to him so that that was just part of it 
For when Moses had spoken every precept to the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. So here we see that blood, you know, it was gory. Killing, killing animals and sacrificing them as, it was a gory thing. It was gory. There was a lot of bloodshed. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, because we... Um, don't see that and we didn't see Christ's blood flow out at Calvary maybe we don't completely get it either how you know it was a price it was a price Jesus paid and we live in the benefits of it but it was gory it was ugly it was brutal saying this has enjoined to you moreover he sprinkled with blood both tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry in other words Everything had to be sprinkled with blood. Once they killed those animals, everything was sprinkled with blood. Their thumb, blood on their big toe, blood here, blood there, blood everywhere. I mean, it was it was in, it, incredible. But time, right? Jesus' blood, his it's efficacious to us today, every day. And we can be covered in... And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And with, there's no redemption. There's no cleansing from sin without the shedding of blood. And, you know, you could study the blood uh, in the Bible for uh, a, year, uh, a year or two, things, but, but it just in our appreciation that Jesus was willing to shed his blood, that we would be able to go sin-free and come with boldness to the throne for necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be pure. earthly tabernacle was just a pattern of what was in heaven. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices. In other words, there's no act could have been made and brought into the heavenly, the Lamb of God. That was the only sacrifice that was going to atone for your sin and mine. His blood and coming back into the sanctuary in heaven to offer on the altar. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. Into heaven, into the heavenly tabernacle. And it was finished forever. The fi sacrifice is finished forever. Hallelujah. Self often, he doesn't have to keep on being offered and sacrificed like the sacrifices here on all these. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifices of himself? And I, but after this, the just offered to bear the sins of for him. Shall he appear the set to salvation? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have such a one powerful life. We fear it. And we have such, we don't have to, you know, do, uh, have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do. 10, 10 classes <laughs> you know it, it, this is heaven made oh it's real you know and um stuff we're we're going to see that heavenly tabernacle one day and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin to salvation and so our part is to be looking for him living for him and looking for him both of those things not look you know there's people that have gotten hold of this part and said oh jesus is coming so i'll quit my job and i'll go live on the top of the mountain and i'll or i'll go and live in a cave and be a hermit i don't want to have pollute myself with anything in the world that's not what he's called us to do is it Living for him in a way that changes our world, living for him in an effective way that just brings God into the into our surroundings, but also looking for him, 
looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will not be ashamed in that day. We will have confidence and not be ashamed, but be able to, to say, oh, Lord, I'm so thankful that I've lived for you, that I've known you. And that's how we want to live. We want to make sure that our, that's why I encourage you earnestly to get more spirit-filled, more spirit-filled, more spirit-filled. There's always more of the Holy Spirit available to us. You know, in the book of Acts, which we, we studied not too long ago, yes, there was the day of Pentecost when initially the Holy Spirit was outpoured. But there were many, many times where it says they came together and they were, in, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that should be a passion in our, in, our, in our hearts. More Holy Spirit, Lord. I want more of your Holy Spirit so that my life will show forth your glory and your praise in powerful and mighty ways. Not for my glory, not for my, so that people think well of me, but for his glory, that they'll be drawn to him. If we knew that there was one person in our world that we could rescue from hell, if we allowed ourselves, if we lived under the power of the Holy Ghost, and if we allowed ourselves to be the witness that he's called us to be, wouldn't we want to do that? And so, you know, we may not be called to be Billy Graham and bring thousands to the Lord, but God has called us to be who we are, where we are. And we need to see how important our job is right where we are. Sometimes we have this idea that, oh, if I could only be a pastor or evangelist or uh, something or something or something or whatever, we get these ideas in our heads. And usually somebody planted it there. And we get this idea that that's if, 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 if my life, if I had been able to do that, but this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then that. Well, you know what? God has placed you right where you are. And you are probably right where you are supposed to be. And your assignment is to be so filled with the power of the Holy yes. Ghost that you will bring God's answers and solutions into your life and into the lives of those around you. And as you do that and you fulfill what God has called you to do and touch the lives that God has placed around you, be they five, be there two, be there ten, be there a hundred, be there thousands. It doesn't matter. You just need to be faithful to, to do what God has called you to do in, in the place that he has placed you. Fulfill where you're at. Fulfill where you're at. God will open the right doors and bring you where you need to be, that you'll, you'll, you'll touch the lives that you're supposed to touch because that's how he is. He's a good God. And we're not going to, and we should never feel, we should never feel that, oh, if I had only done this, if I had only become a missionary, if I had only uh, become an evangelist, if I had only become a pastor, if I had no, let that go. Let that go. God will bring will, will bring into your life the right connections, put you in the right place, and make you blessed and fruitful in the place where you are, because he's a good God. And so, and he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, and he has, he has purchased you at great price. Just think about it. If you had paid that kind of price for somebody, just think about it, just think about it, how precious we are to him. He, God allowed his one and only son, his only begotten son, to pay the ultimate price, to, to pour out his life's blood and be the sacrifice for your sin and mine. So he loves us and he wants us to understand and to get it. And so 
Let's just pray that God will open our understanding. Lord, we just pray together that you will just open our understanding in greater measure that you will help us to see how precious it is that we are have a relationship with you and that you can come into our lives and do the things that are necessary as we are more filled with your spirit. We just pray that you will help us to be more spirit-filled as each and every day goes by, Lord, and help us to make a difference in this world by our living. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.